ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय महेन्द्रा महाराजकृतास्मचिंतमयाद्रिताध्यायुकर्त Translation. Very valuable advice that if we could just adopt in our lives, we would solve so many problems. Uh, not, not maybe not solve the problem, but uh, we would not become implicated in so many problems. Because the very nature of material life is that it is full of problems, and we become more and more implicated in material life the more we try to solve these problems. Just like if you are in quicksand, the more you struggle, the more you sink. Therefore, this excellent advice: don't get entangled in material life. We should endeavor for our material arrangements only as much as necessary. Yavan artha prayojanam. We should make that much endeavor for as much as we need, and no more. And inevitable difficulties that arise from the material nature, we should tolerate. This doesn't mean uh, foolishness. We should uh, make some some arrangement has to be there. That means, just like if we if we know it's going to rain, we should carry an umbrella, but we shouldn't send a airplane into the sky to try to destroy the cloud and stop the rain. What can be done simply and without much endeavor should be done to maintain the body. Only because the body, this human body, can be used for cultivating spiritual life. Our basic needs are food, clothing, and shelter. These needs can be met very easily. There is no need for great factories producing hundreds and thousands of things which people don't need. People think, "I need a refrigerator. I need a, an air conditioner for the summer. I need a car." Practically, the way modern society is set up, a car is almost a necessity. At least in the Western countries, it's considered a necessity of life. So the people think TV is necessary, VCR, video recorder, the video, video, video replayer. Ah, and now, now they need this uh, microwave oven. That's also considered a necessity. Microwave oven. You see, you don't even have them out there here. But every home in America has them. Every home, every uh, dome, because it it fits with the American way of life. Come home from work, pull something out of the freezer, put it in the microwave, eat it in two minutes, and go out to enjoy. So these are artificial necessities, and the more we become entangled in producing these, the more we suffer. When we recommend going towards a more simple way of life, people think we are advocating becoming primitive. 
But we see in the past such wonderful books of philosophy were produced. Vyasadeva has produced so many wonderful literatures just living in an ashram in the mountains. The six Goswamis of Vrindavan, they produce such wonderful literature writing on palm leaves, living under a different tree every night. Whereas in modern society we have so many material facilities, we think this is very developed and advanced. But what are people doing? How are they living? What is their consciousness? They have made such an arrangement that you can see TV, what is going on on the other side of the world. So they're watching football game on the other side of the world. So much development of science and technology with so much good brains used to develop it. And they're watching 22 fools running around after a ball. And everyone is cheering, Jai Ho. Jai. <laughs> oh, you see, the Americans have got such technology, they can see you here now. If you go outside this building and hold one coin, they don't have coins anymore. One, uh, one note, hundred ruble note. In in America, they can watch you and see you're holding a hundred ruble note here in Suharevo. They have such technology. And they can hear what you are saying. By satellite, they're, they're spying. But uh, what are they doing? They're living like animals. They have such development of civilization, but they're having sex with men with men, women with women, and... And anyway, I don't want to elaborate, but it's, yeah, okay. it's subhuman. Even the animals don't do such things. So, we are advocating that development of civilization means development of consciousness, development of material so-called comforts. To get the comfort, you have to accept so much discomfort. It may be very convenient to have a microwave oven. You can cook your food in two minutes. But to get that, you have to work like an ass in a factory 50 hours a week. So what did you gain? We see here that Brahma is giving advice to Prithu Maharaj and Indra. Brahma, he is the first Brahmana. Therefore, he is the first Guru. Brahmanas are supposed to be Gurus, they teach. Now, both Indra and Prithu Maharaj are ready to accept advice from him. This is culture. You see, modern civilization, so many cars and so big, big civilization, but no one is prepared to listen to anybody else. Everyone thinks my opinion is as good as anybody else's. Or rather, everyone thinks my opinion is better than everybody else's. I know better than everyone else. Yeah. So this is not culture. This does not lead to any advancement. Therefore, even though we have so much uh, technological advancement, everyone is fighting with everyone else all the time. Now we see that Prithu Maharaj had gone to great endeavor to arrange these sacrifices. And Indra had most unfairly and improperly thwarted his efforts. Prithu Maharaj, Maharaj had every right to be angry with him. But on the word of Brahma, he is willing to forgive everything. Because the culture of listening to authorities is so deeply embedded. Now, of course, in the ex-communist world, that culture is also very deep. But that is not based on higher principles, that is based on fear. That if I don't uh, do what I'm told, I might have to go to make a holiday to Siberia. <laughs> or I might have to eat a bullet for breakfast. Mm. So that's a different 
kind of respect for authority. Of course, in the Vedic culture, there may be some fear also, because someone like Durvasa Muni, if you mistreat him, it can be dangerous. But the, the basic, uh, the underlying uh, factor in the Vedic culture is the desire for spiritual progress. So one point is that a greatly elevated spiritual personality like Brahma is respected for his spiritual progress. And that is one reason to respect his word. And another reason is because uh, great personalities like Prithu Maharaj, they're also interested in spiritual elevation. And they have faith that by following the words of a great personality like Brahma, they will make more progress than if they follow their own idea. That culture is there of accepting Guru. That what the Guru says should be followed. Now this is lacking in the modern age. So we find even people accept gurus, but they don't, in their heart, fully accept them. But they may be thinking, there may be so many different people who approach gurus in different ways that uh, some people may want to just get initiated because they don't want to be called bhakta somebody anymore. They want that uh, people will respect them as an initiated devotee. And then they can just go anywhere and they'll be accepted because they're initiated. Go anywhere in ISKCON. Or they may think that, yeah, I'll do what the Guru says, at least something. <laughs> but more or less they maintain their own idea. I'll come and see the Guru time to time and say jai to him, and bow down and smile and hope that he smiles back at me, <laughs> go to his Vyasa Puja and give some donations, and that's good enough. I'm intelligent, I can work out what to do with my own life. So it may be that the Guru wants the disciple to make some plans of his own. Actually, one should act in his life under the direction of the spiritual master. And of course, even the spiritual masters in ISKCON, they work under the direction of the GBC body. And the GBC body works under the directions that have been given to us by Srila Prabhupada. And Srila Prabhupada works upon the direction given to him by his guru. So no one is independent. Only Krishna is independent. Everybody else is answerable to somebody else. So, but the, basically in the guru-disciple relationship, one should be ready to surrender to the guru. That also entails working within the ISKCON society, which means following the authorities within the society. Now, this cannot be legislated exactly in every situation. There cannot be laws to govern every situation. Because everyone is a different person. That is an important point of our philosophy. We are not machines. And uh, different people, different devotees in different positions of authority will exercise that authority in different ways according to their personality. And um, different devotees, they have to be dealt with in different ways according to their personalities. So, and different people are in different situations. Householder devotees, uh, especially those living outside the, the temple, the direct temple community, uh, they are obviously uh, less disciplined by the, by the temple community than those who live within it. So it remains that one should work under the direction of the guru. I was saying that sometimes sometimes the Guru may also want you to make your own decisions. 
Not that you may have to ask him about everything. But the point is, one should not avoid following his instruction so that one can have his own program of sense gratification in the name of Krishna consciousness. Not one should be very sincere to surrender to and serve Krishna. Such a person should approach a spiritual master. If one is not interested in serving Krishna and surrendering to Krishna, he doesn't need a spiritual master. Of course, everyone needs a spiritual master, but there is also some qualification to accept one. We see that devotees, they sometimes go through different phases in their lives. Sometimes devotees, when they come newly, they're very submissive when they first come. Then after some time, they know everything and no one, no one can tell them anything because they've become so senior. And even they don't listen to their guru. They lose, they become so puffed up. There may be others who come who are like more puffed up in the beginning, but gradually by realization become more submissive. That also is there. But the best thing is to understand from the beginning that we need to act under guidance. We cannot understand Krishna by our own, simply by our own endeavors. And that we should also understand. That is the goal of joining this Krishna consciousness movement. The goal is to understand and satisfy Krishna. Sometimes we may get diverted in so many different ways. Sometimes we may get distracted in different ways. We may think the goal is to become the most respected book distributor, distributing more books than anyone else. So that is good. We want you to distribute more books than anyone else as a service to Krishna. But not simply for increasing one's false prestige. And those who do it for false prestige, they won't last very long because they are cultivating a weed of material desires in their hearts which eventually strangles their advancement in Krishna consciousness. So you may say, oh, then I should stop distributing books because I have so many material desires. Or I should just sit in the temple and chant Hare Krishna and become free from material desires. No, not like that also. Go on distributing books, but see what is our motivation. Because we all come to this Krishna conscious movement with so many different material desires. So sometimes even when we are sincerely trying to serve Krishna, then our desire to serve Krishna becomes mixed up with some subtle material desire. So the thing is not to give up our service, but to go on with our service, praying to Krishna to become free from all material desires. Now, it may happen that we don't even recognize our material desires. That's another reason why we have to act under the direction of Guru. We may think, well, I'm doing everything very nicely. Just like a drunk man may think, I'm driving this car very nicely. But he's not. He's going to crash and kill himself. He needs someone to shout at him and say, you fool, you rascal, wake up. This actually happened to one of our devotees once. He was, uh, he was woken up while driving at 180 kilometers an hour. Uh, the, there was a police car driving next to him at the same speed, knocking on his window. So you may be a very good driver, but if you fall asleep, then you're in danger. Or you may be a very good devotee, but we, sometimes we need someone to knock. Wake up. You're getting in maya. Don't get puffed up. Remember, we're all humble servants of Krishna. Now, another interesting point here is the way that Brahma presented his instruction to Prithu Maharaj. He didn't just tell him, hey, look, stop all this nonsense. 
He didn't just come and say, look, I'm Brahma, I'm telling you do this. But he presented the case to him with all reasoning and very politely saying to him, kindly take my words with great respect. He didn't just order him, but he preached to him why he should follow that order. And he didn't just say that you should follow my order because I'm Brahma, but he spoke the philosophy of Krishna consciousness, preaching to him that, after all, sometimes reversals happen in life by providence. We cannot avoid them. So this is the best way to uh, get people to do things in Krishna consciousness, by preaching to them to bring them to a higher platform of consciousness so that they feel enthused to serve. There are many, many examples. Srila Prabhupada sometimes said that you should just follow because I'm your guru, which is a fact. But generally, he would give at least some explanation of why you should follow. Just like um, once one devotee, he was from America and he had been put in charge of the Bombay Project, which is now a wonderful temple, famous all over India, but at that time was just a few huts with snakes and rats and mosquitoes. <laughs> and it was very difficult in many ways. So the devotee who was in charge was giving different reasons to Prabhupada why he sh- should leave and not continue his service. And Prabhupada knew it was very difficult, still he didn't want him to leave the service. So whatever that devotee said, Prabhupada would give some reason to counter it. One of the things he said was um, that, you know, I can't work with these Indians, they're all cheaters. Prabhupada said, well, I'm also Indian. He said, but you're different, Prabhupada. Prabhupada said, no, I cheated you more than anybody else. You've given up your comfortable life just to work hard for me. I don't pay you any money. He said, actually, Krishna has cheated you. He's taken away your material life and given you the taste of his lotus feet. So like this, as long as we are uh, influenced by the modes of material nature, we will always think of so many excuses to avoid Krishna. So the Guru goes on convincing the disciple, just surrender, just surrender, just surrender. And the basic attitude of the disciple is to accept the words of the Guru, because he has trust that I don't know what is best for me, because I'm so foolish and covered over by the modes of material nature. I'm so much in ignorance that I need to be guided. Here's a person I can trust who can guide me on the path back to Krishna. So Brahma, he is the first guru in our sampradaya. And uh, even from the very beginning of the creation, he was preaching. He's still preaching. Is the main business of the brahmanas to preach Krishna consciousness. Consciousness. They must have realization of that knowledge and they must have the compassion to take the trouble to share that knowledge with others. Even though disciples don't always follow the orders of their gurus, even though they should. Even though they're sometimes too dull-headed to understand them. Sometimes we find disciples who reject their gurus, blaspheme their gurus. Very horrible thing. That is the risk of accepting disciples. So Prabhupada said he quoted that verse by Chanakya Pandit. Eka chandras tamo hanti kingna tara gano picha. If one moon is sufficient to light up the sky, what is the need of many stars? So Prabhupada said, if I could have even one sincere disciple for all my efforts, 
I would be thankful. By Krishna's grace, I'm lucky I have many sincere disciples. So, so why don't we all be sincere disciples? Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Is there any question? Such questions are always of an individual nature. Every circumstance is different. It's not possible to answer such a question in a general way. It may be that the environment isn't that bad, but we ourselves, by we make it worse by speaking in the wrong way. Or it may be that the environment is bad, um, but legally, because of our age, we can't leave it. So I can't ask, I can't answer this in a very general way. Basically, we are here to serve. It's not that we should have to have the whole Srimad Bhagavatam spoken to us every time we are asked to clean the floor. It's a big movement. Это большое движение. We have many centers. You don't like it in one place, you can go to another place. But you may find that uh, in the other place, they also don't give you a Srimad Bhagavatam lecture every time you're asked to clean the floor. That's why you need a guru who can judge each circumstance, what, what it needs to be done and what not to be done. Because the scriptures give general directions, but it may how to apply them in different circumstances requires realization. Just like in the Mahabharata, there's one story that um, everyone knows that lying is bad. But sometimes lying can be good. Sometimes two religious principles conflict with each other. Like at Kurukshetra, there was the principle of not fighting with a superior. As Prabhupada notes in the purport, one should not offer even a verbal fight to a superior, let alone a physical fight to kill them. Prabhupada notes in the Bhagavad Gita purport that one should not even offer a verbal fight to a superior. So that's one principle, but then there's another principle that Krishna, who is the supreme authority and the goal of all Vedic principles, was telling Arjuna to fight. Now, in the Mahabharata, there's a story of how two religious principles came into conflict. One principle was not telling lies, giving protection. One Brahmana lived on the edge of a village next to the forest, and he never told any lies. He took a vow always to tell the truth for which he was respected by everybody. One day a man came running up and said, uh, I'm carrying much money, but some thieves are chasing me. Where can I hide? So the Brahmana told him, just go in that jungle there. And after a few minutes, the thieves came running up. They said, uh, we are thieves, we're chasing a man, we want to kill him and take his money. Where is he? Do you know? So he said, well, he thought, well I can't tell a lie. Yeah, he's in the jungle over there. So the thieves found him and killed him and took his money. The Brahmana didn't tell a lie. When he died, he went to hell. Because in that circumstance, he should have broken his vow not to tell a lie for a higher principle. Now, Krishna told this story to Arjuna. When Arjuna was ready to kill Maharaj Yudhishthira, what happened, Arjuna was fighting, as usual, with great ferocity and killing so many of the enemy soldiers. When uh, they got some news that Yudhishthir was very badly wounded and had been removed from the battlefield. Mm -hmm. So uh, 
Arjuna extricated himself from the fight and went to where Maharaj Yudhishthir was. And when Maharaj Yudhishthir saw him, he started chastising him because he didn't want him to leave the fight. He said, are you Arjuna, the son of the of Indra? Are you Indra who went to the heavenly planets and got so many weapons? Are you Arjuna who fought with Lord Shiva? What is the use of all your qualifications if you leave the fight in the middle? We're all depending on you. You might as well throw away your Gandiva, your Gandiva bow. So, so when Arjuna heard this, he pulled out his sword. He pulled out his sword and walked towards Yudhishthira. And Krishna said, hey, wait a minute, what's going on? What are you doing? He said, I'm going to kill Yudhishthira. He said, well, what for? Are you crazy? Uh, We're fighting this whole war just to put Yudhishthira on the throne. And you yourself have gone to so much trouble to kill the enemy soldiers. And now if you kill Yudhishthira, then automatically the other party have won. So Arjuna said, no, I have to kill Yudhishthira. Because I took a vow that if anyone tells me to throw away my Gandiva, then I... to throw away my Gandiva, then I will kill him. He said, well, that's all right, but you're not going to, don't kill Yudhishthira. He said, but I took a vow. I, what, what should I do? I took a vow. I have to kill him now. Then Krishna told this story of two conflicting religious principles. Then Krishna gave a solution. Because in Shastra it said that if you speak disrespectfully to a senior person, that's the, that's the same as killing them. So um, Arjuna he spoke a bunch of insulting words to Yudhishthira. <laughs> he was looking at Krishna saying, can I stop now? He said, okay, that's enough. And then Arjuna fell down at Yudhishthira's feet and begged forgiveness. And Yudhishthira said, okay, go back and fight. So that's why you need a guru. Otherwise we might misunderstand what to do. Jai Hare Krishna. All right, one more question. How to define how, what is the feeling when one feels that he is ready to accept food? It's not a feeling. We have we have so many feelings. Some some days we get up in the morning feeling very fresh, and sometimes we get up in the morning wishing that we could sleep another ten hours. So it's not a matter of feeling; it's a matter of conviction. That now I have to surrender my life to Krishna, and I'm prepared to do whatever is necessary. Then we should accept the Guru. Not just feeling. Feelings change all the time. It's like someone said, well, I took my initiation vows, but I was so young at the time. <laughs> I was very immature. I didn't really know what I was doing. So now I feel different. So I'm not going to follow my vows anymore. So don't... That, that means become becoming...